0: But Mark chapter 15, verses 16 to 39. And uh, Cindy is going to come and read that passage for us. Thank you, Cindy.
1: The soldiers led Jesus away into the uh, palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of the soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him and they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on his knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by heard insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priest and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani," which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. This man was the Son of God. Thanks.
0: Good morning, friends. It's good to be here with you today on this Good Friday. As we look at the passage that's before us today, uh, you might have noticed that the tone of it is, uh, is a, a serious one. And so this morning as I speak, I've been asked if I'll be cracking any jokes, and the answer is no. This is not slapstick comedy. This is uh, a bit more serious business today. So, if you think you're coming away with a little bit of a serious sermon, it's because that's where this passage takes us. So, let us come before our Lord in a time of prayer together now, let us pray. Lord, we do thank you for uh, this message this morning that we can read in Mark's Gospel, and we pray that you'd help us uh, to be attentive now as we think more carefully about uh, these deep truths that are revealed and the offer of life that comes through this work. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as a Good Friday, to many Australians, this is a pretty good day. And why is that? Well, if you're an employee, uh, you still get paid for having a day off work, so that's, that's understandable that plenty of people think it's a pretty good day. And it is good to have a a time when we rest from work, isn't it? When we can have some uh, relaxation and some downtime, a time to rest and a time to rejoice in the Lord. But how many Australians really do that last bit, rejoice in the Lord? Historically, within church history, this day has been uh, celebrated as good because it's a reminder of the day that Jesus died before he then rose again on the third day, and Scott will be speaking about that on Sunday. And so our society tags along on the back of church history a bit, doesn't it? As as it enjoys a public holiday. But thinking about this day as Good Friday is interesting, isn't it? You think about this as a a good day. Why do people remember the day that Jesus died as good? Good. Well, I can remember the day that Osama bin Laden died. And from what I saw of the celebrations on the TV, as they showed people in New York in the United States, plenty of people seemed to think that was a pretty good day. But Jesus wasn't a terrorist. And so how come we remember this day, that he died, as a good day? Well, sadly, in the passage that we read before us earlier, that Cindy read to us, Where's Cindy, there she is, good, good to see you, Cindy. Uh, sadly, in that passage that Cindy read, we noticed that even back then, uh, some people thought the day that Jesus died was also a good day, did you see that? They, they found it entertaining. The Roman soldiers seemed to think it was a good day. I'll pick that up in verse 17, you've got it on the back of your outline there. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, or stuck it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe, that's the kind of mock royal robe that wealthy people wore and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Well, they seem to be enjoying uh, beating up on Jesus. They thought maybe it was good fun to taunt him as, as fake royalty. And then we see that there's another group, uh, the passers-by come up in verse 29. Verse 29, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Well, they seem to be having a good day too, being entertained, teasing Jesus while he suffers. Perhaps they didn't get quite what they wanted. Maybe they wanted more from Jesus, deliverance from their oppressors, the Romans. And he didn't deliver that. And now Mark draws our attention to another group, uh, the enemies of Jesus, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Uh, Pilate tells us he was ready to release somebody else, uh, but he saw that it was because they were envious that, that these people handed Jesus over, but they didn't want somebody else released, they wanted the King of the Jews. In verse 31, these people mocked him among themselves, he saved others, they said, But he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Well, each of these groups of people thought it was a pretty good day to have some fun at Jesus' expense. And a common thread in their insults was this title, Christ the King of Israel. They used that as um, part of the barbs to tease him, didn't they? That's when, when you want to taunt someone, you make fun of their name. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, they might have said when I was a kid at school. But here they are, they're teasing Jesus, aren't they? Saying, you know, Christ, the King of Israel, this is their way of winding him up. And it's because they don't believe that he is the Christ. Well, earlier in Mark's Gospel, in chapter 14, we're introduced to a scene where Jesus uh, Jesus is interrogated by the high priests about his identity. In chapter 14, verse 60, we read, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? 60, Jesus says, I am, said Jesus. And you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming with the clouds of heaven. This is a description of the, the wrap-up at the end when God's kingdom comes in its full. And the high priest doesn't believe Jesus and so he interprets uh, what Jesus has said as an insult to God. This is a sacrilegious comment and he says it's blasphemy for Jesus to claim to be God's King and so he's ready to hand Jesus over. To claim to be the Christ was claiming to be the one who's going to bring in the reign of God, the rule of God over all. And they don't believe Him. They see Jesus instead probably as a threat to their stability with the Romans. Uh, they were in charge of the temple and had uh, the pleasure of the Romans to still, to still operate that. They thought that might uh, ruin that arrangement if Jesus and His movement gains currency. And they thought that he might have been a threat to their role as the leader of the people. And so we can understand that they, they don't have any time for Jesus. They have no sympathy for him on that Good Friday as he hangs there dying on the cross. As far as they can, they're concerned, it is a Good Friday. But what about Jesus? What kind of day was it for him? Was it a good day? Well, earlier in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, we see that Jesus is distressed enormously as He faces that day that would become a bittersweet day for Him, bittersweet because of the, the suffering, but also the results of it. And it's interesting to think about um, death. Jesus doesn't seem to be worried about death per se, but it's the death death that he's going to endure, that seems to distress him. Let me read to you Mark chapter 14, verse 35. He says, we read, He fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Here, the hour represents the moment that's coming, this this uh, dreadful moment, and the cup represents the experience that's a horrifying experience. And so, what problem is Jesus faced with? Is it simply distress over uh, the rottenness of physical suffering, the experience of being crucified? Well, we do get an we do get a hint actually in the passage that was read before us did you see uh, in verse 34 jesus says as he quotes psalm 20, 22 verse 1 my god my god why have you forsaken me that's what jesus is thinking as he's there on the cross in his death he's experiencing being forsaken by god this is a moment that we might described as being abandoned by God. And it's a it's a mysterious moment really, isn't it? Because we we've seen uh, from the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is the one who even the wind and the waves obey. He's got the one who's has the authority to forgive sins and raise the dead. It's a it's a mysterious uh, concept to think of God abandoning God, God the Father abandoning God the Son. But why would Jesus go through that? Why would He go through that day? Why would He take that path? Well, we do get some uh, answers within the Gospel itself. In chapter 14, Jesus describes describes the work of His sacrifice. He says, uh, this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. This is when He's starting His memorial meal in place of the Passover. He sees His blood as the blood of the New Covenant. It's going to seal the New Covenant for us. It's going to be His blood that's going to establish a restored relationship between people and God. He probably has in mind Jeremiah 31, which also speaks about the fruit of the New Covenant, which is forgiveness of sins. In Jeremiah 31, verse 34, we read, For I will forgive their wickedness, and will remember their sins no more. That's the result of the establishment of the new covenant, God forgives sins. And it's established through Jesus, who comes as this sin-bearing sacrifice on Good Friday. That's why he's willing to go through with being abandoned by God, because of the results for people like us, forgiveness of sins. In his life, he described his death in this way, for even... The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This ransom idea is the idea of a payment to let someone go free. In the past, it was probably about slaves, releasing them from uh, their slavery. But here, Jesus is a ransom for us. He comes to be the one who pays the penalty and takes the guilt of our sin so that we might be forgiven. And Good Friday is the day when he carries out his Father's will as he gives his life for many, hopefully many of us, if we trust in him. And the Apostle Paul describes uh, this work in this way, God made him who had no sin. Jesus always uh, served God faithfully, loved God faithfully. He He was perfect, unlike us. God made him who had no sin. To be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Which I take it as a way of saying, he's dealt with our sin. So that we might enjoy being looked at by God as those, as if they haven't sinned. Well, this Good Friday turned out to be a good day for the centurion who we, we read about. As he stood by and watched the events that unfold before him, he would have been a hard man too. He would have seen this kind of thing happening all the time, uh, and used to brutality. And so it's, it's remarkable as he stands back and says, surely this man was the Son of God. He seems to come to a faith in Jesus. And he represents many Gentiles who would also uh, follow in his footsteps and come to trust in Jesus. For him, it might have also been a very sad day as he saw this mystery unfold of Jesus being abandoned by God and yet it was a good day, a good Friday for him since he benefited from the work of Jesus to bring forgiveness of his sins and the knowledge of new life with God. And so that really brings us out of the New Testament to our day and age now, doesn't it? Uh, What kind of day is this for you and for me? Have you come to a point in your life where you realise that you need Jesus as the saviour for your sins? Uh, God's Word is very clear that nobody is perfect, that all uh, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Humanity uh, collectively fails to honour God as they should and give thanks to Him, glory to Him. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we lack self-control, that we we fail uh, to live up to the calling to be God's people as well. If we're honest, we know that's true. And so it makes sense that Jesus comes to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. He comes for people just like us, people who need Him. And the results that he brings are wonderful. Forgiveness and the fact that we can now stand both in this life and in the life to come in God's grace. That's that's wonderful news. That's why it is Good Friday, isn't it? But regretfully, those who remain God's enemies, enemies of the Lord Jesus, like some of the people we read about perhaps today, if they didn't turn back, uh, God's Word doesn't offer any... Uh, good news for those who continue to rebel against God. It teaches us this if people fail back, fail to turn back to God rather, uh, and they don't have their trust in His Savior, then they face God's righteous wrath against their sin without a savior. And that's actually described as a frightening state. It's a state of being unreconciled to God. And the Bible uses words like hell, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, uh, a state that doesn't seem to end, uh, to describe that unreconciled state with God. And so, uh, to face uh, a God who's not going to tolerate sin without a saviour is a horrifying prospect. But this it doesn't have to end that way. Uh, this could be a, a very good Friday for some who are still thinking about getting right with God. Uh, the, this morning, the, the passage focuses on this uh, wonderful invitation of what Jesus has done. He's, he's born sin, He's become the Saviour. He comes to His Kingdom by suffering for us. And so today, is a, it is a good day because we can recall the goodness of God to us in Christ. It's good for those who turn back to God and put their trust in Jesus and what He's done for them. It's good because God promises that He's willing to forgive all of our wickedness. He promises to forgive us all of our sins, the the things that we're conscious of, that we know about... That we know we need forgiveness for and the good news is God promises to remember our sins no more isn't that wonderful that's a that's a comforting and good thought and so this Good Friday may it truly be a good one for you as you remember the goodness of God to us in Christ as we see with great clarity his love for us by sending his son on that day and for Jesus's willingness to go through this suffering on our behalf. Well, let us close in prayer and give thanks to God for His goodness to us in Christ. Let us pray. Lord God, we do give You thanks for this um, time now that we've had to remember the seriousness of our sin and the willingness and uh, love of Jesus to endure that day as a bittersweet day, a day that would be difficult to endure, but bring wonderful fruit for us. Lord, we do thank you for the forgiveness of sins that comes through Jesus who brings the new covenant, a, a new relationship that we can enjoy with you. We thank you for the comfort of that forgiveness and the fact that we now stand in your grace, both in this life and in the life to come. We thank you for Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, who we know laid down his life but also rose again on the third day. Lord, we thank you for this time now. We've had to think about this passage and these things and we pray that you'd help us to be those who are grateful and live with thanks in response to your love for us. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.